This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. The Criminal Procedure Identification Bill was introduced in the Lok Sabha on March 28. In a week it was passed in the Lok Sabha on April 4th and just a couple days later on April 6th it was passed in the Rajya Sabha. Motion moved that the bill be passed. The question is that the bill be passed. Those in favor will please say aye. Aye. Those against will please say no. No. I think the ayes have been, the ayes have been, the ayes have been. The bill is passed. This is a law which will affect nearly everyone in the country. Experts say it allows law enforcement agencies to collect what the act calls measurements. and this includes fingerprints palm prints photographs iris and retina scan physical and biometric samples it also includes what they termed behavioral attributes including signatures handwriting among others and once this is collected it will be stored in its digital and electronic format for 75 years with the national crime records bureau Hi, I am Surya Tapa Mukherjee reporting for this episode of the Suno India show. This is the first of a two-part mini series. In this episode, we attempt to explain what this new law does and mostly who it affects. I spoke to Nikita Sonavne and Pravita Kashyap. Both are practicing criminal lawyers. Nikita is based out of Bhopal and is the co-founder of an organization called Criminal Justice and Police Accountability Project. which does research on issues related to criminal law particularly policing and pravita is based in delhi and is a member of article 21 trust and we think aadhar campaign both of these work on how the aadhar project has affected welfare programs i also want to bring in some interesting parliament debates about this bill in this episode So getting back to the bill which is a law now it repeals a 1920 act called identification of prisoners act but this new law however is expanding the category of those from whom police or prison officials can seek measurements West Bengal member of parliament from the Trinamool Congress Mohua Moitro spoke about this in the Lok Sabha she says that this act is ironically more stringent than the one made by british colonizers the original act of 1920 was passed by our british colonizers and they did this in 1920 to control nationalist forces and increase surveillance and uh, they authorized authorities to take photographs to collect footprints and to collect palm prints fingerprints of convicted people and also in certain cases non convicted and store them Now it how tragic is it how ironic that a century later a hundred years later that we have an elected indian government this is not a british area era colonizer this is an elected indian government who claims to be more nationalistic than any of its predecessors and today you are bringing in a law that is more intrusive that collects more data than the original law and has fewer checks and balances fewer safeguards than even the british era law did it is very ironic You may think why should I care about this? 
Well, the law states that the cops can take measurements of those arrested, I quote, in connection with an offence punishable under any law. This is section 3, subsection C. Now, the range of penal offences in the country are mind-boggling. It is not something that can be grasped easily. We will do a deep dive into section 3 of the Act that defines who are the people whose measurements can be taken by the cops. I asked Pravita about why people should care about this and she reminded me of the protests following Citizenship Amendment Act 2019, also called CAA, for its anti-Muslim stance. The CAA fast-tracks citizenship to immigrants from neighboring countries except Muslims. One important thing to think about is just remember uh, the time that everybody was on the streets protesting against the CAB, which became the CA, or um, any other time when, you know, we have seen mass protests uh, take place across the country by students, by activists, by just regular normal people. Um, This could apply to you. This could apply to them uh, if you are arrested uh, for any offense. So that's something to think about. Congress MP and former Home Minister P. Chitambaram argues that the law covers nearly everyone addressing the members of the parliament. He asked if there is anyone who had not broken a law in the House. Now tell me, I asked honourable members, I wish I could speak in a lighter vein, I asked all members in this House, active political person, trade unionist, social activist, a progressive writer. Has anyone not violated any law in this country? When the police say there is section 144, you can't proceed, and you take two steps forward, you are violating a law. Section 144 of the Indian Penal Code is a law against unlawful assembly issued when the police wants to declare a curfew. And the punishment for many of these offences is 200 rupees fine or 500 rupees fine or imprisonment up to one month or fine. I ask most humbly, Is there anyone in this house who has not violated the law? I asked the Honorable Home Minister, who has had an active political career, have you never violated any law? Now, what does this section say? This section says, any person convicted of an offense punishable under any law, say, even if you are convicted of an offense where the punishment is 100 rupees, this law applies. If you are arrested in connection with an offence punishable under any law, if a bus driver strays from the bus lane in Delhi, he is violating a law. Detained under any preventive detention law. Is there any member of the Communist Party of India, the Communist Party of Marxist Party, who has never been detained? And this is any law any punishment, detention, not a charge, arrest, no charge, even for arrest, 
for detention, for order to give good behavior, any law, if you are arrested, this law applies. So tomorrow, if the members of the All India Trinamool Congress or the uh, Ahmadmi Party or the Congress Party watch from march from Gandhi Statue to Vijay Chowk and the police stop you, they can arrest you. The moment they arrest you, they will take all your fingerprints, your DNA samples, <laughs> or behavioral samples. That is the law. Let the Honorable Home Minister say, this is not the law. These sections will be excluded. Then exclude them. And the question is, is there any person in this house who can say, I've never violated any law in this country? Or I will never violate any law in this country. We are not talking about heinous crimes. We are talking about simple laws. The law also says that enforcement agencies can take samples of any convict that is a person who is tried and found guilty. Kerala-based member of parliament N.K. Prema Chandran argued in the Lok Sabha that the meaning of convict is not clear. What is the definition of convict? I am seeking a clear-cut answer from the Honorable Home Minister. What is the definition of the convict? If you are not wearing a mask, if you are violating the lockdown guidelines, you will be convicted. Even a penal convict, conviction for 1000 rupees is a conviction. There is no definition in the bill. In fact, even BJP Rajya Sabha MP and a senior criminal lawyer, Mahesh Jetmalani, while arguing for the passing of the law, agreed with the other MPs who said that Section 3 is too broad. In summary, Train Mr. Chidambaram, and although here I agree with him, I must say I am in agreement with him, has a problem with Section 3. And many people have had this problem. It has been voiced in the other house as well. He says that certain classes, apart from convicted criminals and people arrested and facing trial, he says, the other classes, which are those who are to give security, and they are mainly for petty offences, and detainees. And I am particularly concerned about detainees, because we know the rigors of the emergency. We know what Mr. Chidaram's government did in 1975, when they detained thousands of opposition leaders for petty offences. Purely on political grounds. So, sir, I am in agreement on that issue. Perhaps that part needs a second look at. Convicts and under trials must be subjected to the provisions of the site. While it does cover literally everyone in the country who has broken some not-so-well-known law, it will affect the vulnerable sections of our country far more. The National Crime Records Bureau shows that about 84% of under-trials, that is, arrested for crimes and awaiting trial, belong to scheduled castes, scheduled tribes, other backward classes and Muslims. Now, keep this in mind when we continue to read Section 3 that talks of who are these people whose measurements can be taken. The Act also covers persons who have been ordered to give security for their good behavior or maintaining peace under sections 107 to 110 of the Criminal Procedure Code. 
these are provisions in law that assume that a person is a habitual offender and is likely to commit a crime again nikita explains these laws related to habitual offenders from 107 to 110 of course those proceedings are not contingent on arrest in any case right that's right. Uh, yeah those are all proceedings that don't even require an fir to be registered because that is entirely up to the discretion of the police so section 110 of the criminal procedure code uh, says that like a subdivisional magistrate or a commissioner i mean the police can issue a notice saying a person uh, is a habitual offender and then this person will be required to furnish a bond either with the sdm or at the commissioner now it's a nebulous category like you there is no clear definition under the crpc at least about who is a habitual offender now who is considered a habitual offender usually nikita says that it's often someone who's from a vulnerable community she says that the police have historically been collecting data on so called criminal tribes all over the country these were defined under the criminal tribes act of 1871 the criminal tribes act basically assign criminality by birth or said you know there are people who are hereditary criminals and of course the communities that were criminalized under this law were mostly nomadic and semi nomadic communities and in 1952 this act was repealed but it was very quickly replaced with these habitual offenders laws in some states and habitual offenders provisions nikita explains how everyday policing affects these communities so how that translates to everyday policing it means is that sometimes an fir is registered against a person um and you know then subsequently they are arrested and the matter goes to court and then the police will use these multiple cases to say that this person is a habitual offender and therefore they need to keep giving their data there is weekly attendance or hazri as they call it that people are supposed to give and it just comes with extensive amount of surveillance you know people's movements are tracked all of this is done but in many cases it also means that like in one of our cases more re- most recently a person was acquitted of an offence by the court and he was still summoned by the police to say apna data do just get your aadhar card photograph and along with these measurements there was also other kinds of data about like his personal life etc uh, that was sought from him and this is routinely sought and the case that the police makes is that the determination of someone as a habitual offender is not contingent upon any kind of proceeding that is underway in a court or even acquittal because these are completely policing powers which they can exercise regardless of whether and like the criminal justice system or the intervention of criminal law is set in motion which is typically in case of a non cognizable offence through an fir cores of people who have been termed as habitual offenders are also people who who not only don't have fir's registered against them in several cases but also have been acquitted in cases so it's a i think this is the sort of like discretionary power that the police has which is something that needs that has been that it has had historically and is something that was always happening at a local level right because these habitual offenders provisions were still at you know the state had the powers to do this and this data was taken by local police stations but now i think with 
this we're going to see that push for this data not being taken by the local police but it being stored at that sort of national level and the implications of the habitual offender category now being i mean it was always a national category but it all it it had a lot of like geographical and con- like local contextual sort of implications but for it now to become that sort of pan national sort of criminal identity home minister amit shah dismissed all concerns about the law being used for certain caste groups tribes or muslims manyavar sukhendu sekhar roy ji ne kaha कि एस एसटी माइनॉरिटी की डीएनए प्रोफाइल भाई पूरे सदन को मैं पूछना चाहता हूं इसमें एसटी एससी माइनॉरिटी कोई शब्द है क्या किस चश्मे से पढ़ते हो सुखेंदर किस चश्मे से पढ़ते हो बिल को अंडर अंडर ट्रायल है इसकी जात या धर्म क्या देखना अंडर ट्रायल जो है वो है कानून की नजर में सब एक समान है किसी अपराधी की जाति धर्म क्या देखना है Section 3 does have one safeguard of sorts it says that if a person is arrested for an offence which is punishable for less than 7 years they quote and quote may not be obliged to allow the taking of their biological samples nikita says that the idea that someone will refuse a cop even if they are entitled to is ludicrous in theory the law offers some kind of safeguards to say that oh if you are being charged with an offence that is punishable by less than 7 years then you can refuse consent but like anybody who has ever set foot inside a police station knows that the question of consent is irrelevant uh so in theory it like i mean it it's practically covering a large set of people but of course in the way that the wheels of the system move you know that it's particularly people from a uh, certain like oppressed communities particularly oppressed caste communities who will be at the receiving end of this like a majority of the arrests like in madhya pradesh for instance and we did this research where we found that 1/6 of all arrests are say under the madhya pradesh excise act where the maximum punishment is 5 years right so a significant number of arrests that are made in the country are made for offenses that are punishable by less than 7 years so legally nobody is compelled to give information or give their measurements for these offenses if they are arrested for them but ultimately the way that people are treated in police custody all of these measurements are going to be sought by force so i genuinely don't know what is it like ultimately the sort of identification of criminals will be done on the basis of these measurements but primarily the way that these measurements are sought is going to be through policing methods which are the regular policing methods that are laced with violence and torture of all kinds and the safeguard is also nullified there is a blanket section section 5 which gives magistrates sweeping powers to order such measurement be taken during the investigation of any kind of case the law also says that if a person does not allow their measurements to be taken under the act then they are committing another offence the offence is obstructing a police officer from doing their duty under section 186 of the indian penal code 
records will be destroyed under the following circumstances. The person has to be acquitted or discharged from the offence during the investigation of which their measurements were taken. They should also be free of all their criminal records. Pravita explains this section. So this means that the person has to be someone who is not previously convicted of an offence um, and who had his measurements taken and who is released either without trial, discharged or acquitted by a court after exhausting all legal remedies which means that you will have to this will only apply once you go into suppose you are acquitted by a lower court you will have to appeal I mean that's what I'm assuming it means exhaustion of all legal remedies that you would have to appeal and the appellate process would end and only then would the uh, data would the uh, biometric information the measurements be deleted and that would only happen if the court uh, and that would only happen uh, you know uh, it's the discretion of the court who which might record that it should not be destroyed um so that's an important thing the method of that destruction of the measurements we don't know no, where no. will it be destroyed no. from Will I be told that it's been destroyed? Will I get, you know, a certificate saying thanks for giving your measurements? <laughs> now they are all destroyed. Like, I, there's no, I mean, it's just unclear. And it's a lot of power uh, that a system, you know, uh, holds in itself when, when none of this is clear for the person from whom all of this is being taken. Not to mention, it could take years, if not decades, for anyone to exhaust legal remedies. After extensive debates about the draconian nature of the law, Home Minister Amit Shah gave assurance that the data of political detainees will not be collected. Nikita says this argument where the Home Minister does not cut it. I don't know how they're carving out that exception for political detainees, how that is even being characterized because as far as the bill is concerned, it will cover anybody falling under the categories that they have laid down. So I don't know how they're going to carve out that exception. Regardless, it's something that we should be deeply uncomfortable with, with this sort of, at a more principled level about this carving out of saying that certain kind of uh, prisoners whose incarceration is considered to be quote-unquote political, their de- uh, measurements will not be taken for the simple reason that Uh, the kind of criminal justice system that we're dealing with, all kinds of incarcerations are political and that kind of prosecution is ultimately a persecution of several oppressed caste communities and therefore all of it is political. So that sort of characterization is not something if at all uh, it is going to be made. I mean, that is a problem on multiple counts. And needless to say, this is not explicitly stated in the law. But just a verbal assurance by the Home Minister, unless it is clearly stated, a person who walks into a police station for whatever reason is pretty much on their own. Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website suno india.in or follow us on facebook twitter or instagram <laughs>